I'm James Dyer, and I am joined here by 24 superfan Nick DeSemlin. Greetings. To talk about, uh, once again, we've said goodbye to Jack Bauer after season eight. We said goodbye, then we said hello again, and now he's gone again after 24 Live Another Day, uh, which finished this week. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Mm. Nick. Yes. Yes, it was exciting. Is this channel secure? Uh, <laughs> it's hard to say. Okay. I'm going to say no. We have uh, seen every episode now we of have. 24 Live Another Day, all 12 of them. So I would suggest that if you haven't seen every episode yet, that you listen to the interview and then go away, watch them, and then listen to us walk yes. on about it. We will save all spoiler discussion till after the following interview with John Kassar, uh, who is a producer and longtime director of, uh, of 24. He uh, began with 24 in season two, I believe, and he's directed, I think, about roughly half the episodes in each season since. So we talk about all kinds of 24 stuff with him, including the uh, ill-fated cougar appearance. Yes, well worth it just for his uh, uh, disavowment of the uh, of the cougar. Yeah, so listen to this, enjoy, and then uh, stick around for us if you can bear it. And interview. Given that this season is 12 episodes rather than 24, are you half as exhausted right now as you usually are? <laughs> well, actually, it's amazing because we only did 12. That is half of what we usually do. And, and all of us are looking at each other going, how the heck did we ever do 24? And how did we do it, you know, eight years in a row? It's, <laughs> it's such a grueling, grueling show. It really is probably one of the toughest shows. And I, and I do a lot of big shows. I did Revolution and Person of Interest and, you know, other shows, uh, Terra Nova, that are, you know, big in scope. And very ambitious for television, but there's just so many moving parts on 24 that it, it's definitely the most difficult, I think, of all the ones I've done. So it's exhausting. <laughs> At the end of it, we're pretty tired. Did you have a rap party this time? Did you have the energy? We did. We always have a rap party. We, we have what, we, uh, what we, we, we like to do, like a crew rap party. So it isn't all big and official. It kind of happens yeah. right after we finish shooting on the last day. In this case, it was the second last day because it worked out better. Uh, <laughs> gave us a day to recover and not have to you know, go to the last day. So we did have a rap party. It was great. And Stephen Fry was there and, and loved it and actually said on Twitter, it was the best rap party he's ever been to. Wow. Come on. High praise indeed. So, can you reveal any of the details of Stephen Fry's favorite rap party? Was it in a pub? Was it in a? It wasn't a pub. It was we we'd taken over a pub, and and actually the rap party that it's a twenty four tradition, and it it has a great name. It's called the Tough Shit Rap Party, <laughs> and what we do is we we get the producers and the actors and all the suppliers to to give a whole bunch of gifts. I mean, it was unbelievable amount of gifts. Someone even donated like a car, a used car, mind you, but it was a car, and we do a raffle. Uh, but the only thing is you have to be there. You have to be at the party. And if yeah. you're not and your name is pulled, you can guess what people scream. That's its <laughs> name. And uh, and so it's, it's our big giant thank you to the crew for for putting up with us for as many hours as they did every day and, and doing the incredible work they've done. I mean, for a, a crew to just fall into 24 like they did uh, was pretty amazing. I mean, you know, we are indeed that show for eight years and to suddenly have to, like, teach a whole bunch of new people. And, and it was only my director of photography and I, Jeff McGatt, were the only two people that came over. Everybody else was completely new to 24, wow. minus the actors, of course, some of the actors. And even then, lots of those were new to 24. So so it was a huge teaching kind of experiment, uh, if anything else, and I think they passed. I mean, I, I think if you look at the show, it looks just like any other year, and it's a, it's a great season. How did you find the, the, the change of venue, sort of shooting in London? 
Well, you, you know, it's actually it, it's not that different, quite, quite honestly. I think once once you get it going, it, it's it's not that different. Once you set it up in a way that we had it set up when we were in LA, then then it kind of all falls into place. Yeah. Uh, shorter shooting hours. I mean, the Americans shoot a twelve-hour day here; they shoot an eleven-hour day, so that's an hour hour different a day is a lot. It adds up at the end. So that, that was a little harder to get used to. Uh, but everything else, location's a little difficult. That would be my only sort of slightly negative and not even really negative, but just harder getting permits, uh, harder getting everything that we wanted when we said we were they were going to give it to us. That was a little difficult at times. So, but otherwise, everything else was really just as good as L.A. and, and anywhere else I've shot. Mm. Did and, our mayor, Boris Johnson, come down and get a photo of Kiefer? He, I, I don't know. He might have. <laughs> I, I, I've got to tell you, we, we had so many different people <laughs> visiting us all the time. He could have. One of the days, maybe I wasn't there. But I, I, I heard his name being kicked around, so he might have come down. I'm Who's not sure. Who's the strangest person, UK celebrity, that, that popped along in? Uh, crashed your set. I, I don't know if there was a lot of celebrities. It was it was really more more government, I think, than, than anything else, and including, of course, the American embassy. They were yes, you know, we connected with them right from the beginning. We even had a soccer game against them, which we lost, unfortunately. But but they didn't have many Americans on that team, so that, that didn't seem fair to me. That the American embassy played, you know, the British crew, and I think there were more Americans on our team than were on their team. So so we connected with them. So that was kind of fun too. But it, even even when we did the show back in L.A., it was kind of a stopping point for celebrities and sports you know personalities and people love the show and Barbara Streisand we used to send her tapes because she was on the road all the time so mm-hmm. our office used to send her tapes so she could keep up with 24 so it is, it is a kind of show where people there is a following I always forget that you had Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant we did in and we, CTU. We mm. actually, actually, Stephen yes. Merchants in, in one of the actual shows. Uh, Ricky Gervais was just too funny to put in the show, so he's <laughs> he's in the special uh, special sort of edition, the disc, right. where we just kind of put his little thing where he's in the uh, in the White House and they're discussing what to do, and he's in the background going, "Call Jack Bauer, call Jack Bauer," <laughs> and then they eventually say, "We're going to call Jack Bauer," and he goes, "I told you, you should have called Jack Bauer," but he was just so funny, there was no way we could put it in the show. No, but that's the whole thing, isn't it? That the show works so well because Kiefer has the most earnest delivery the man could sell anything it's it's absolute genius yeah he's amazing he's got that whisper shout yeah I think he's he's uh He's kind of. I don't think anyone can do it like him. It's it's pretty amazing, and uh, and he's got he's got this great ability to let you in as an audience, and I think that's the key. You know, I don't think a lot of us can identify with being a counterterrorist unit. Uh, you know, a member, uh, the agent. There's just no way. But there's just something that he connects to such a human level that uh, the audience just connects with him right away. And and he's just he's wonderful, and he's great to work with too. Yeah, I mean, sorry. No, no, go, no, no, go for it. I think you've. I mean, you shot so many episodes of Twenty Four. What is there a like a, a sort of a ten rules of shooting Twenty Four? Like when you briefed the UK crew, was it these are the rules? For example, like the camera should be at eye level. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, ten, did ten? I think there's way more than that. <laughs> uh, yeah, like every department, it was it was actually. It was it was daunting at first to to have to analyze everything we had done. I had to actually write it down and type it out and and show people. You know, these are especially camera. Camera, I think, was uh, was the hardest because we're we're incredibly unique in the way we shoot the show. Uh, and you know, 
the show's been around for a long time and it's still not copied. I mean, it's still, there's, there's still nothing visually like it on television. Yeah. It really is quite different. So there's, there's a certain style and, and most of it is you have to get these good camera operators, which you have an abundance of here and break them out of everything they've learned and, and sort of say, okay, throw that away. <laughs> and now it's this. And, and, and it's hard. It's hard for people to, to get into that groove. So that, that was our biggest challenge. This, the real-time aspect of it, because it limits you in some ways, because it's like slow-mo, can't do that, has to be in real-time. Right. And then it's like, okay, well, we've got to have split-screen, and then every now and then you need the ticking clock. Is that a script note clock here, or do you think, you know, in your head, every now and then do you use it as grammar? What's the rule around the I clock? Think, I think the, it, that happens in posts. A lot of it happens in posts, more than people think. We have, we have a great post department, once again, we only had one editor from the original 24. The other editors, actually, the other editors just came off of Homeland. So, you know, they were new to the show. So we had to teach them, <laughs> you know, because the editing goes hand in hand with the visual style. I mean, you have a visual style that's very kinetic and, and organic, and the editing style has to be the same. You can't fall into master, medium, close-up. It just doesn't work in, in our style. So they had to learn also. Uh, and, and, you know, basically everyone had to learn that. So so post does the boxes, post does the clocks. And so you know, if, if there's ones I don't like, I'll change them. And sometimes I'll suggest here's where I want a box because I want to see two faces on the screen yeah. at the same time. Or don't put a box there because what happens in a box, sometimes your audience gets split focus. If there's something really important that we want them to see, you can't put it in a box because they could be looking at the wrong one when you want them looking <laughs> at what you want to look at. So you have to be careful with the boxes also. Uh, and so really, Post does does a lot of that. And and again, they, they became very good at it once. I, look, it's it's trial by fire. It's uh, People have described it, actors have described it as a, you know, a moving freight train. <laughs> and you have to just grab on and hold on and if you don't you'll just fall off and won't make it so it's, it's that kind of thing so mm. I wanted to ask about the dammits uh, because Kiefer once said that uh, you guys insert dammits almost because you were aware that there are drinking games going on well, he did do once. I, I do remember specifically that day when we found out that there were college drinking games, at, at which point they drink every time he says, damn it, that we had done this one scene where he was really upset. And I think he said five of them in a row. <laughs> and I called Cut, and he just big smile on his face. And he just looked at me and, and just went, now there's a good one for the drinking game. So I think he, he was aware of it. I'm not sure if he did it on purpose. I think he was just aware of that. There's some people going to hospital People are going to get drunk that, that yeah. night. Yeah. That's right. Amazing. <laughs> Because um, just watching the new episodes, there's sort of one or two an episode. Yeah. And it's, I think the first one, Kiefer whispers under his breath, and then the second one, he just yells he in goes the car. For it, yeah. And it's like, he's <laughs> definitely aware of the, the funny thing is, damn it, is when other people do it. It's really bizarre. I mean, I think Chloe does it once this year. I'm not sure if it's an episode that, that's aired or, or still to come, but. But uh, it's really weird when someone else does it because, it, again, we're not cable. So it, it's our only expression mm. that, you know, tells you everything you want to know when you're really upset without using any words that we're not allowed to use on, on network television. So when someone else does it, it's really strange because, th- first of all, they're aware of it. They do it and go, oh, that sounded like Jack Bauer. Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> or I have to say, I'm sorry, you can't say that because there's a scene coming up where he's going to say it and, and you can't be saying damn it when he says damn it. It's kind of his word. Right. So it is it is something we have to sort of keep our eye on. You weren't tempted to change it to darn it, just darn for the it. London for, season. Oh my God, that's that's we should have. <laughs> that or something else, silly. or something British other British. Darn it, yeah. Jack Bauer's on the street. 
I think this is something that went around on Twitter a little bit, but when uh, Michelle Fairley was cast, was there a temptation to change the subtitle to Game of Drones? Yes, it, uh, it went around. I was, I, I'm the one that actually retweeted it instantly because <laughs> I thought it was the funniest thing. Uh, yeah, Game of Drones uh, is pretty funny, actually, I think. And it's it, it's pretty close to what the season's about. <laughs> it's actually not that weird a, a, a subtitle for it, Game of Drones. Because where we are, the one that just aired, you've just blown up the president. We did. So poor Mr. Heller. Damn. Got a drone on the head. He <laughs> did get a drone on the head. Very quite, very literally. His own drone on the head. It's an emotional moment, but you were shooting at Wembley. In reality, were you kicking a ball around while you were doing that? You know, we would have loved to have done that. Unfortunately, uh, the grass is something they, you know, it is sacred ground. When they mm. say sacred ground, they're not kidding. I'm, I'm just telling you right now, when you're there, you realize you can't touch it. You can't go near it. You can't smell it. You can't just go near that grass. And so we were, we actually almost lost the location because the restrictions were, were almost, you know, so tight that we couldn't work yeah. around what, what they had to do. So we finally agreed on, we weren't allowed to take any kind of equipment, dollies, tripods cameras had to be handheld and uh, on the grass itself on the edge was fine and uh, and we could only have like a certain number out there so there was only five of us that actually went out on the grass and of course I, I had to be one of them and so <laughs> the five of us that were out there were taking pictures and, mm. and everyone else I think was really jealous that we got to go out on the on the grass and no one else got got out there but it is it does need work I, I get it I get why why they don't let us out there because it, it's <laughs> The middle of it is, is you know, need, need some work. I mean, they're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But but I can see why they don't want people clomping around on it until there's a game. And I heard you, you guys also had to negotiate with the London Underground for the scene where... London yeah. London Underground actually were really wonderful to us. We actually, coming up, we, we actually take another trip down there. So we we, we went down there twice. And, and in, we've been in, I think, two or three different stations. So they were great. They were fantastic. There's lots of closed stations that they could give you. And they close off escalators and, and access ways. And, and then once you're down there, it's all yours. You just have to bring a bunch of, you know, people that look like they're commuting and it's so weird to see these people standing in a a stopped subway car and just holding on like that where did you <laughs> yeah. actually shoot the subway scenes what, uh, what station was it i think one was uh i think one was at waterloo if yeah. i remember right they, they were not my episodes so oh, i don't okay. have them com- completely in my head uh and the other one was the one off trafalgar square right near the hotel with the giant <laughs> Here I am. Oh, Charing Cross. Charing Cross. Charing Cross. Charing Cross. Yeah. Charing Cross. So yeah. you didn't do Charing ep- Cross was the first one. So That's you didn't you didn't direct the episode where Jack is on the. I didn't direct so any episode. So therefore, you are not to blame for the fact that the uh, destination is wrong on the train. Oh, it says Neesden, which is a jubilee line. I've got to tell you, one one of the funnest things for me is that you know everyone knows their own city. So obviously, no one in Sweden is catching the fact that we've got a wrong destination on a on a tube. As as you as as Brits never looked at our show that we shot in LA and said, gee, there's no way they get from, you know, right. Santa Monica to Long Beach in five minutes. But of course, now that it's here, it's a whole different story. Yeah, yeah we're being attacked left, right, and now the They can't get from there out. to there. You don't yeah, want it's the, really funny. The middle of the season to be, be Jack stuck on the 405, you know. That's well, exactly. Really. And that's like, everyone's like, well, it's not realistic. <laughs> well, we can do realism and then you'd be bored out of your skull. You could so, always. Yes, we have to, We what we call it is time is elastic is what we call it. It just have to stretch it a little bit. You could say the terrorists have have just messed around with the destinations on the front of trains. That's true. Yeah, they'll true. do anything. That's was it wrong? I didn't even know it was wrong. That's the first I heard. This is there's an announcement on the train. He goes, uh, "This train terminates at Neesden, which is Jubilee Line." 
Wow. I actually watched that Look episode on the Northern Line. Yeah, Look we're transport guys. nerds. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We're subway nerds. I yeah, love that's that. Right. Well, you know, and really, if you were going from Kennington, you know what? Again, I've got to tell you, we we really try not to make those mistakes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not like we people think we don't care, which is which is not true at all. We we really make an effort to get all that kind mm. of stuff right. You know, we research as much as we can, but then the odd, you know, falls through the cracks, and and that's the kind of thing that's done so after the fact. Yeah. That you know, I don't even hear that till I actually see it on on air, like everybody else. So, not that I would know it was wrong, but I'm just saying that you know, we we really do make an effort with all our military stats and all all the statistics we do, and and even we we changed a whole bunch of, you know, West London, East London, right off the top that were in the script. That you know, the guys you know do the best they can online, and that's where they sort of figure out where things are. But then, as you get here, people start realizing, no, that's not East, that's West, and they start telling you, and we we fix them every time we could. Yeah, I'm curious about Unmade 24, the, the ideas that were bubbling around for a while. Uh, there was um, a notion of combining it with Die Hard, if I'm not wrong. There was. was a, there a, was there was talk of having John John McClane and Jack Bauer together. Which is amazing. Which is interesting. And actually, I, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but, but the last movie that did come out, which is the one they were talking about, uh, you know, his son ended up being named Jack, which was oh, yeah. an amazing coincidence. So yeah. I'm not sure if they just took that same script and said, oh, hell with it. We can't get Bauer. We'll just make it a son. I, I don't know if that's true, actually. But but there was a combination. The most interesting ones was after the first year because, because you know, we, we did the first year. And, and as, as simple as it sounds now that the story just can, kept continuing the way it was, we really there was this this crazy idea of what are we going to do for the second year because they really had no plan past the first year and so all sorts of ideas came up and one of them was like repertoire theater where it'd be all the same characters but now they were all air traffic controllers you know and then the year <laughs> after that they'd all be like emergency doctors and and so making the 24 hour format really the the film star, journalists right and <laughs> that anything that people had to stay up for 24 hours that was yeah. the hardest thing uh, and and the the actual idea which is really bizarre is that uh, it was going to be a wedding. The whole yes, thing was going to be this. a wedding. That was that was the idea, mm. which I think there was a series yeah. last year or a couple of years or a pilot at least. I don't mm. think it went past, past pilot stage about a wedding that you know it was going to be this wedding gone wrong for 24 hours, which doesn't sound very exciting right now. But but the idea of the counter-terrorist unit, the fact that it was a terrorist attack was what was going to keep the president and everybody involved up for 24 hours. Yeah. That was really how they got to where they got to, you know. And then they're news hounds. I mean, the, the, the writers are all unbelievably, you know, uh, really really smart with what's happening in the world. And, and all their stories are always based on what if. You know, many times we were dealing with storylines that actually came true, and that's because they mm. were projecting, basically. They were saying, here's the news, what if this and this and this happens, and and a lot of times, unfortunately, some of the stories came true, like going to war with Iraq and all that, those, those kind of stories. So they were news hounds. So that's sort of why they, they, they do the kind of stories they do. But 24 has been one of these shows which has been continuously sort of on the pulse. You know, it's been very, I mean, obviously it came out just after 9-11. It's mm -hmm. kind of reflected the whole atmosphere. It must have been quite fun to kind of, four years later, bring Jack Bauer in a post-post 9-11 world, like the world of, of Homeland. Well, it is interesting, quite honestly, because I must admit, I'm not sure I would have bet that it would be as popular as it ended up being, because it, really it really was born in that time, like you say, in 9-11. Mm. And, and our show was always about fear. 
I mean, there was an underlying fear that that we that we sort of put out there every single week, and and people were living that fear in real life, and so they were able to make that connection really quickly, you know. And as years go by, as anything, time heals, and and there was less and less fear in America, and and so we. I don't want to say we weren't as relevant, but but obviously we weren't right on the pulse of it like we were. We were still dealing with storylines that that you know were out there in the news. So now jump another four years, and and I just thought you know really, I'm, I'm surprised that that. But I guess you know it's funny. I think people need a Jack Bauer. Somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Somehow they need that hero, that unflinching hero, whether he be realistic or or more more in the fantasy world of, of the spy world that we deal with. That there's still some something there that people want to hook on to. And am I right in saying before shooting Live Another Day, you went back and watched all of the others? I did. I watched every single wow. episode for the eight years that, that we did the show because I'd, I'd, I'd only watched them, you know, you watch them 30 times when you're editing them and putting them together and then you watch them on the air once and there's no real reason to ever watch them again. And and so I, 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 it was my homework, actually. It was really my homework because... Remember, I didn't. I wasn't involved with the last year whatsoever. I wasn't involved with mm. season eight, so uh, I'd been away from it for five years. That's a long time. I mean, I, I'd worked with Kiefer. I did an episode of Touch, and we did a feature film together in the summer. And uh, so, yeah, I had a connection with him, but I hadn't connected to the show for virtually five years. So I really felt, and and it's something that I do with all the shows. Mm. If I go to do a person of interest, I'll watch every episode they do before that because I want. I want to have that background to be able to talk to an actor mostly or a writer about something I might suggest that, you know, is back, you know, is, is back inside the beginning of the book, so to speak. So, yes, I did watch them all. It was it was hard. <laughs> and remember, it was a daunting thing. I virtually was, was working every day. I would go home. I'd watch like three or four of them. I'd have it on my mini iPad just there all the time, breakfast, supper. It was just like all the time. You, you had to. Yeah. My days, there was no way I could do it during the day. I was just too busy. So virtually the nights and the mornings were all 24. Well, true fans yeah. watch in real time. They, oh wow! Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I have a whole new respect for all those people that say, "Oh, I just saw an episode like in a day and a half." I'm just like, "Wow, <laughs> a, whole, a season!" I mean, in a day and a half, it's pretty impressive. How? I mean, looking through it, what what were the highlights for you watching through? I mean, well, I think watching watching the early ones was really interesting because it'd been so long since I'd seen those, you know. And then and then I, I actually there were there were things that I would watch and then call the writers or email the writers and say you know what I just saw in one that's really cool that we mm-hmm. haven't done for a while and I would just kind of you know as I knew they were writing I would just kind of feed them these little nuggets of information so it was it was homework I mean it, it truly was homework and then it just kept you know it, it kept the visual style alive for me you know because it's not a style that I'm, I'm allowed to do on other shows it really is unique to 24 so it just kept reminding me of what that visual style was how did the uh, cougar hold up on uh, repeat viewing the cougar probably didn't hold up as well (laughs) would you have shot that differently yes oh my god yes You're the only one that's ever asked me that. Yes, I would have. <laughs> What's your? What would be your vision for that? It, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been that. It would have been. It would have been something else. It looks quite cuddly. It's too I mean, cuddly. <laughs> it's the cuddliest cougar. It was supposed to be a danger, and and I actually liked it in the script. Yeah. I can't admit I'm saying that to the world, but <laughs> I did. I I liked the idea. Of the cougar. The cougar. Unfortunately, it was just. It was shot in a way that just made it, like you say, it was like a cuddly zoo animal. It wasn't really a danger. So, And look, at least we have the cougar to make fun of through all these years. It's not bad. The cougar and a couple other things, but it's, it's not bad. I was joking that you might bring a fox. How many episodes? Yeah. What, I was joking else? that you might bring a fox in to live another day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. something British. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, or an actual mole instead of <laughs> an actual mole. We found the mole. It's a mole. It's an actual mole. Uh, Kiefer's hair is pretty astonishing in the the first season. Um, I'd, I'd forgotten compared to the last one. Well, it's just he's got that big blonde barnet. I guess the word is. I bet but your hair changed too in that. No, years. absolutely. I'm not. I'm not disparaging it. <laughs> is it true that the cast have to get the haircut every five days? I'm not sure if that's true, but it, it is. It is maintained. Obviously, you yeah. have to. Yeah. I mean, the the women have it a little harder because they have to have the the same hairstyle all at that time, and then the nail polish thing is all, also one that they have to deal with all the time. The way their nails are, I think. The one that really sticks out is uh, is uh, the one that, that Kim had. Uh, Alicia Cuthbert had these the white French manicure <laughs> that she had to have for a year, so whether she liked it or not. That was it was so obvious that you had to have it the whole time. So that's one of those. I read that Carlos Bernard had forgotten to shave off the soul patch before coming in, and therefore was stuck with it. This could be just be an excuse that he puts around of why he had a soul patch. But oh, uh, well, maybe. Well, you know, there, there were stories, and I wasn't there the first year, but there were stories is that some of the casting was so late that people were just coming in and they were just throwing them in front of camera. The, the main story was Nina, uh, the, the fact that she was wearing her own clothes because <laughs> they virtually cast her the night before. And they said to her, and the idea was really bizarre, and I don't know if you could actually, if you go back and watch it, you could see it a little bit. The idea was that everybody was partying. <laughs> this was the idea that, you know, it was like everyone was out in the clubs at night and there was this emergency, so everyone came in, so everyone had kind of their dance clothes on. <laughs> that was the idea of, like, the costuming, which you can kind of see there's a little bit of like you know a little abundance of black I think that that's there and so she has this kind of like black outfit I think with little sparklies on it so that was her own and then they had to find it and match it because obviously they needed more than the one <laughs> one version of it so so it could be that that the soul patch was just because he came in that day and they threw him in front of camera but you don't wear your own clothes throughout the whole shoot, the same uh, outfit throughout the same shoot. No, no, they have, they have solidarity. Yes. No, I'm saying you don't. In, in oh, solidarity. Oh, personally? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely not. In in true Jack Bauer fashion, if we were to strap you to the chair and torture you, would you tell us how it ends? In in two seconds, probably. <laughs> I don't think I would last torture. After seeing it and, and you know, directing it for as many years as I have, I, I don't think I would last I'm, for I'm, two seconds. I'm holding out for a triumphant return of Erin Pierce. I know Aaron uh, you know he's Glenn Morshower fantastic actor uh, I think he wasn't in eight again I wasn't yeah. around around then but I, he wasn't in eight and maybe he'll be in this one but <laughs> maybe he's not. behind it all <laughs> he's a firm favorite maybe of not us. <laughs> yeah I know I, I love him too and and you know the thing is with us too just doing the show when when you know people die and they disappear and people are all upset that they disappear it's it's a twofold for us one we missed a character and the second thing is we miss the person. I mean, you know, Carlos Bernard is, you know, I can easily say one of my best friends. So not having him around was a killer. I mean, it was just he was such a big part of that show. Mm-hmm. He he has a great sense of humor. He had he had a great rapport with with Kiefer. They were great on set together. Those were fun times. Like being together and doing the parties with them all. It was just a great time. So when we lost him, it it was hurt. So when we brought him back, it was wonderful to have him back. And we lost him again. So you know, there's always that for us. It's not just losing the character like you guys do. And Louis Lombardi, as far as you know, for uh, Edgar. I mean, he's just such a nice guy. He was just such such a great guy to have on set. You just miss him. You miss him on a day to day basis. You only spend a year with these people. The season took us ten months to do. So it was a long time. Is it true? I heard a rumor that Donald Sutherland was at one point um, in the running to he was to play Jack's dad. He was. He was in the running to play Jack's dad, and and uh, it almost happened. It was very very close to happening, and uh, and then it didn't. You mm. know, the, I mean, it's 
you know above me is basically what's happening up in the negotiation. So I think it was scheduled probably more than anything else. But the Western that's coming, the out. Western, yes, Donald and Kiefer did get together in a Western <laughs> that I directed uh, this summer called Forsaken. At this point, it's called Forsaken. We're just finishing it off, and uh, it was pretty exciting to see them play father son. It was it was really great. So. It was interesting. It happened in the end. It did happen in the end. It yeah. happened in the end. It's something Kiefer always wanted to do, too. I mean, he never, you know, in, in a very long career, they never actually had real scenes together as adults. I think that he had one when he was a child. But but as adults, they never actually had scenes. They were in, I think, three movies together, but again, never never had storylines that connected. So he really wanted a film, you know, with his dad. And so this is a film with his dad. It's, mm. it's really just the two of them. So, I mean, there's other characters in it, but it really is about the two of them. How did you find shooting a Western? Well, it was great. I mean, it's. I think it's. You know, there's certain certain genres that I think every director wants to do, and and the western is definitely one of them. There's a simplicity to it. Not so so much simplicity in shooting because they have to deal with horses, but but there is a simplicity to the storytelling. That's that's really great, and especially you know working with Kiefer in in a western after working with him on Twenty Four. Uh, is so different because you don't have, you know, I mean, you have guns or different guns, but you don't have <laughs> cell phones and computers and tracking machines and, and the CTU behind you and all of that. It's just, a, you know, a man and a horse. So it really was kind of, again, stripping it down to, to just the, the characters in the story, which is great for any director. Mm. Have you ever seen 24 India? I haven't. I've, I've only seen a trailer. I'm dying to see it. I'm dying to see full episodes. But because even in the trailer, I could tell the scenes, even though I don't understand the language, because it's it's virtually shot by shot. That, yeah. That's the amazing part. They've re- really just gotten every single episode and copied it exactly. So so I could go right away and be like, oh, that's Tony Almeida. That's, that's Nina. You know, it's really bizarre. And again, I don't even understand the language, but I could tell right away who all the characters were. Presumably sort of uh, Indian Kimbao gets menaced by a tiger in that oh, one. Oh, probably. Yeah. Which probably would work better than a cougar, I would think. Right away, a tiger's more dangerous than a cougar. So It's a shame that Anil Kapoor has actually been in Otherwise, you could have a, a crossover. It'd be amazing. A crossover. That would be interesting. Well, he was so, I mean, again, I wasn't there in season eight, but he was so interested in play, in being Jack Bauer. I yeah. mean, I, I remember them telling me the stories that they were going to do it. And I, I just keep thinking, what if we just kind of do it around the world? What if it just kind of starts happening everywhere, which would be like a Swedish Jack Bauer. I think it would be just <laughs> Swedish. <laughs> and all these like other countries that love the show so much. J- Japanese. Well, the, the, I did a, a press tour in Japan. And they were just nuts. I mean, they you know, they. I think I, I would say that England and, and Japan were the two that I think hooked onto Twenty Four before the rest of the world, even before America. I think England was really sort of hooked into it right away. And in Japan, the ringtone is crazy. You get on a subway, you just hear that ringtone like mm-hmm. all the time in, in its heyday. And uh, they were telling me that the the gentleman that does the voice for Jack Bauer. That guy is like bigger than Brad Pitt in Japan. That guy <laughs> cannot walk down the street because he is so famous because he is Jack Bauer's voice. You know, you don't even see him, but he's Jack Bauer's <laughs> voice. He's so famous because he just does the voice. There's an amazing YouTube clip of Carlos Bernard going on a Japanese game show, and it's insane. Oh it's yeah, just, I, I think I've seen that. Up, like, There's some good YouTube stuff. I mean, we're yeah. we're you we're we're a prime for YouTube. I think 24. One of my favorites is Jack Bauer interrogating Santa Claus. I think that's <laughs> that's, that's a good one because they did a really great job. Of of matching the lighting and everything on Santa Claus in the interrogation room and then pulled not just from one interrogation. They, you could tell Jack's costume's changing a couple of times, but it's really it's really quite funny and really well done. It's really well done. And people have obviously done montages of all the dammits and the kills. Yeah, you so actually have a kind that. of kill list, Jack Bauer's kill list. There is in a the kill list, series. and we actually put it on the show this year, which is really interesting because 
because uh, the graphic people, when we had to have this this list of you know everybody that th- they pulled out a Jack Bauer file, and and so when when the graphics people showed it to me, I recognized it right away because I know that kill list, and there it was. <laughs> and I said, "Where'd you guys get this?" Said, oh, we got it from the internet. It's a kill list that you know, some fan has put together. And I kind of went, well, I know that it's a kill list, and I think other people are going to know that it's a kill list. But I thought, you know what? Let's give it. Let's give it to those guys that put these lists together, that take the time to put it. So we left it as is. So it's more like a little Easter egg for people that are into that kind of thing. They must so have loved that. It was the actual kill list that that's out there on the internet, is what we use. And is there a total at the at the bottom of it? I think it's over 300, I think, someone I told want to me. say 368. It's something, something like that. Like but that. it's really yeah. detailed. Like it, it's it really detailed. Interrupt surgery. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. No, no, withholds medication. And they it's got very... the, as many names as they could get. And then there's estimates for like when he takes a plane down. It's like <laughs> that plane takes 250 people, so estimated 240 dead. It's like it's very funny the way they, they come up with it. And then there are years that he kills like a lot of people. And then there's one year, I think it was like five or six people. It was like really, like we're saying that, like that's low, of course. <laughs> And remember, everyone, this is fantasy. No one's really dying. It's was, spy fantasy. Jack Bauer was into Buddhism that year. He yeah, was, he was just he was chill. Yeah, he, he was, was just, just a little chill. <laughs> he was in a calm place in his life that he only killed six people. I always found it fascinating the way, you know, in America, both the the conservatives and the sort of the the more liberal people would would use twenty four to strengthen their arguments for everything. Like there's a line in it which will support any theory. <laughs> Pretty much. It actually, it's it's not that surprising knowing the writers. Yeah, our writers' room was completely split. It was both sides. Even though the the you know the man that that created Joel Cernow was a, a, an obvious conservative, very right wing, uh, and everyone knows that the writer room itself was split. And Howard mm. Gordon, who eventually took over, was the other side. So so we really you know I think we had presidents that reflected certain presidents that were in America that were on both sides of the, you know both parties and so I think we were just so split that everyone you know we know Obama was a fan Carlos yeah. had hooked up with Obama early before he became the president he was a big fan of the show and and Condoleezza Rice and and then we had the other side you know then we had McCain who was did a did a, did a cameo <laughs> while he was running for president and so we had completely the other side too so and it's funny it would come up all the time and the weirdest thing for me and this was actually the strange the strangest part is when we would be brought up in in you know Senate debates, you know they would bring up twenty four as a as a as a point of an argument, and you'd think, guys, are you kidding me? <laughs> We're a television show. We're a spy fantasy. Yeah. We've never thought of ourselves as anything but a spy fantasy show. You know, it really was based on sort of James Bond and and all those sort of early spy novels. We just hit a nerve that was very real because nine eleven happened. So. Yeah. What ended up being, you know, what we designed as spy fantasy ended up being kind of spy reality in 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 terms of what was happening in the world. But again, we we even laugh at some of the stuff ourselves. I mean, we're we're just so out there, mm-hmm. but somehow it it kind of I think the way we shoot it and the fact that it's dealing with things that are happening right now, it, it people feel it so real, mm-hmm. you know, and so real that you get quoted in the Senate sometimes as. <laughs> on 24 they said and they did and you're like what <laughs> guys really yeah. when Chief Justice Scalia is referencing Jack Bauer I think this is just this, weird it's just weird it's very strange for us but Joel really is very aware of that I mean there's, isn't there a line in the beginning it's the first episode I think of season 2 where that line in which says George you want results but you don't want to get your hands dirty there you go pass me a hacksaw exactly right exactly <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a hacksaw which yeah. is now a t-shirt by the way <laughs> 
Oh, really? It's kind of a sci-fi show as well, because I read that somebody worked out how far ahead in the future it is, yes, <laughs> based on all the presidents. I know. Well, like- again, you know, you... you you know, you, you don't. You never. You never think you're going to go as long as we did. We re, we really didn't. I mean, every year we would virtually end the year going, "Well, that's it, boys. Thank you very much. It was fantastic. There's no way we could write another year, and another year would happen, and another year would happen. So, so be, because you just want to push the story into new to new realms, you want to like you know have a new president. So you got to push push a couple of years. You want Jack to have a, you know a, a lasting relationship that's been a year old. So you push it ahead a year. At no point did we think we were going to go eight years, and you know all those pushes have put us into. Where are we? Do you know where we are? I think we're twenty twenty five. It's at least twenty or thirty years <laughs> yes, oh, like ahead that. of where we are now. Because there have been nine presidents, I'm right in saying, aren't there? In total, there's been an, a heroic amount of people in the Oval Office during I don't the run think of the that show. Many. Maybe you're right. Because there was, was there was really a Twenty Fifth Amendment thing at one point. So oh, yeah, you, you we, get had, a few yeah, we had like mini presidents. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. We had presidents <laughs> that took over for an episode or two within a day, mind you. Would took over for hours, basically. They had their twenty minutes. But uh, yeah, we did get pushed sort of in, into yeah. the future. So I know we had to change a graphic this year because we it got messed up a little bit. We don't put any dates anywhere. You know, there are no dates. You'll see all these documents with all these files. And there's no dates. We talk in months, and yeah. you know, it was four months ago, six months ago. We don't say it was back in 2013, or because we realize now that we've jumped so far ahead <laughs> that you can't put a date out there. So I take you it know? if there is somebody in charge of maintaining the continuity of the show, the head exploded quite a while back. Pretty, pretty much, yeah, pretty much. And again, it, it, it's really tough because you know every year we would base continuity as to what we already shot, so we'd have to keep going back, and so. That's hard the first year. And then the second year, you're going, wait, no, no. We said that Kim was doing this back to this. And so now you have to, like, make that work. And especially with Jack and, and you know, pulling out his file and saying he was in, you know, the Drazen mission and this mission. You have to keep track of all of that as, as you moved forward and started introducing new characters from his past and how they connected. But, you know, they did a pretty good job, I think, yeah. trying to keep that all sort of in line. And who's to say in 2020-whatever that the Northern Line won't, in fact, go to Neasden? That is true. That is you know true. what? I think that's right. And, in <laughs> fact, one of the things I did, because I'm a, a huge hockey fan, as, as as some people might know, and my team is the Toronto Maple Leafs, and much like England not winning the World Cup back in 66, the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't win since 1967. So we're very close. And so in, in one of the news crawls, it says Toronto Maple Leafs win World Cup, <laughs> win, win the Stanley Cup, the hockey equivalent of the World Cup, yeah. win Stanley Cup. So there it is. They they won at least in my world. <laughs> I know they probably never really win, but they did on 24. Wishful filming. Wishful, yeah. Wishful yeah. sort of projecting on, on, on the news yeah. crawl. So what's the, what's the plan going forward for 24? Can you tell us anything? Well, I can really tell you honestly right now there is no plan. <laughs> that, that, you know, this was a one-off. It was always designed as a one-off. Uh, the actors were hired as a one-off which is one of the you know one of the things one of the things that's really different as opposed to when you're doing a regular series and that's going to happen with everyone out there now doing these 12 episode uh chunks you're only hiring the the actors for that one you know that one that one thing the the one mini series as opposed to a series when when you hire an actor you've already got them on a five-year deal so you can then choose whether to bring them back or not Mm. uh in this case again we weren't really designed that way we're designed as a mini series and and it truly was just kind of a one-off. And, and you know, look, the, the fans brought it back as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they just never let it go. It was just one of those shows that have stayed completely alive on the Internet. Streaming has got a whole new bunch of people watching it again. So 
we really kind of brought it back because I think, you know, Fox knew that there was going to be an audience there. And that's, you know, really why they do it at the end of the day, because they want to have something out there that, that has an audience. And and uh, the 24 audience didn't let us down. They watched in droves. So we're pretty happy about it. Or in drones. In drones. Um, yeah. Well, I hope you make some more, frankly. Well, most people, yeah, that, that seems, to be, that seems yeah. to be the general consensus out there, which is, which is, again, great, you know, because there is a danger of coming back. And Kiefer was incredibly nervous. He said it uh, in the press that he, was, that he was just so nervous that we just ended such a – it was just such a great run. It was a great eight-year run, and you just think, why mess with that? Don't go back and then, you know, put out a lesser year and then everyone goes, oh, why did you do that? It was like, and so there was that, there, there was that fear. And so, you know, you, you don't want to mess with that. And you don't want people saying, yeah, why did they just, you know, it was great. Leave it alone. Just let it die. And, and so, but I have a theory that I think you're going to see more of this. I think, you, you know, I think, uh, I think Heroes has already announced mm. that they're coming back. Uh, there's, you know, uh, Veronica Mars came back with, a, with t- you know, a movie. I think this is happening because, again, it's being kept alive on the Internet. I think there was a time when a show went off the air. It went off the air. You never saw it again. I mean, unless you went out and bought the DVDs, you would just never see it again, let alone people talking about it. That just wouldn't happen at all. Now a show goes off the air, and it can stay completely alive. And and if you're... If you're a twenty year old, I mean, you know, twenty four was eight, nine years ago now, you know, so you were ten years old. You weren't even you know, you had no connection to it. You could be watching it all again like it's new to you. So I think the internet and streaming is and this binge viewing that's happening mm-hmm. now has kept it completely alive. So I think you're going to see more uh, networks saying, "Look, there's a product out there that people still love. There are characters out there that people still love. Let's put them together and do a miniseries or a TV movie. It's easy. It's easier to do in a small chunk because people could be on other shows and you could just bring them together to do the one thing and then let them go again so i got a funny feeling you're going to see more i read in an interview that you were pitching t- more tv movies after redemption can you say what any of them involved well they, no ideas? they were that that was the idea i mean one of the ideas i was pitching early on was i i just thought redemption worked so well it was just so interesting to see jack and and you know one of the reasons we came to england was because of redemption it was really great to see him out of his element. I just thought that was great. And I thought because the fans were, again, clamoring for more 24, I thought, let's just do a TV movie every year. Let's just pick a different country and do a TV movie every year. I thought watching Jack skip around Europe would have been sort of interesting. And so that was an idea I had like years back. And it somehow kind of morphed into what we just did, which was better because we got to do 12 episodes. But again, I think that's one of the things like Terra Nova, for example, is a show that I did that, that again, audiences are still clamoring about. I'd love to see that come back as a TV movie or a miniseries. I think it'd be really interesting. And Kiefer, is, he was as enthusiastic this, this year as, as any other? He, he was, yeah, he was. I mean, again, you can't do this without Kiefer, you know, wanting to be in it at 100%. And he was in it at 100%. He really wanted to do it again once we then decided to do it. Then, of course, the nerves was like, okay, what have we done? <laughs> what have we done? Oh, my God, we got to top what we – you know, Kiefer is just – he's a very – ambitious and, and not not ambitious uh, competitive it, it's about you know we had th- this year was good this year's got to be better every year had to be better that was his his thing that's what drives him and so we had to make a real effort to make this better which I think we did and and you know then it, you know, the jury's out uh, if it stands up with other seasons it, it seems to be it seems it seems people like it so I think we're we're there important question I think this is the first year where we see Jack Bauer's tattoos is that right? Yes, it is. That's good too. And are those That's very observant? And are those Kiefer's own tattoos or are they every put single on? one of them? Yeah. Right. That was that was it. I mean, and that was again his part of his. You know, the guy's been on the run. He's been, 
you know, living a completely sort of black black op life. And so these are sort of what he's, you know, what he's collected. He doesn't have an RIP David Palmer. No, his, he, uh, he doesn't, unfortunately. <laughs> so those were his tattoos. It was the Mexican one that you, of the Madonna oh, yeah, yeah, Guadalupe yeah, yeah. that we, that he, he had put on himself. But of course, all the other actors had to have it, you know, because it was like a gang thing. But, uh, but then all the other tattoos you see are, are, are his own and then the, the one on the on the I think the left arm is the Icelandic uh, I Trust You to Kill Me mm. which was the documentary he did for the band that he mm. toured with so mm. that's that's what it says on, on the one arm when you see it and then all the others that he's had from when he was younger John we are going to let you go you've been fantastic one final question pick your favorite episode of 24 favorite hour I'd have to say I'd have to say the season 5 opener I think that that's my favorite where we <laughs> virtually decimate the cast of 24 when, when David Palmer dies and and Michelle Michelle dies and and uh, and we cook Tony Almeida and, and it's just such it's just such a it's such a daring episode I mean you know you're four years in the show and these guys come up to me and say you know the writers this is what we're gonna do I just thought oh my god this is gonna be crazy and it was one of those great episodes that drove the whole year you know it really was about Jack and, and everything that they did to his friends basically and then uh, and then the icing on the cake of course was Gene Smart and Greg Itzen as the president and the first lady two of the best I think we've ever had and such a great storyline that went right to the very last last episode so so I think that was that was my favorite President Logan is awesome he is awesome I read that originally that, that, that he played it as a weasel and at one point during the script run they thought is he a weasel or is he a fox oh, that's right <laughs> Well, if you remember, he he was brought in year four uh, when the president died in, in Air Force One. Mm. Uh, so he was brought in one of the presidents that didn't have a very long lifespan on twenty four died in died in Air Force One. Then he was brought. In, he was a vice president, and he was you know again weaselly and nervous and didn't really want to be there. And uh, you know there, there again, which is something that happened on on twenty four all the time. The actors were auditioning all the time. Every every day they came to set, they were in a, an audition to stay alive on twenty four. It really, <laughs> it really was. Everybody, I I really must say that everybody, you know, minus Kiefer obviously, was really auditioning to stay alive. And uh, and Greg just did such an incredible job. I think it was just a handful of episodes at the end of the year that. You know, when they were started to put together the next year, it was without a doubt he was coming back as the president of the United States. So, so he really, again, you know, he he did the work and and got rewarded for it. Thank you very much. Thank You're you. Very John welcome, Kassar. guys. Thank you. And that was John Casar. Very exciting. Uh, obviously, we did that interview while the uh, while the season was still in progress before we'd seen the finale. Not that he would have told us anything anyway. But we have now seen it. It has now finished. Nick, what did you think? Hmm. Let's start right at the end. Let's start with the very end of the final episode. I am a bit disappointed, it must be said, because I got it into my head watching this final episode that Jack Bauer was going to die. I don't know if I'm the only person who was thinking that, but I thought everything was leading up to that through the episode. Audrey dying, the love of his life, he has nothing left now. He's a tragic character, as it is. He's pretty much lost everyone he ever cared about. And I really thought, given the dark places this show has been killing off pretty much every character you care about that it, it's kind of destined to end with Jack Bauer dying at some point and I, I thought they were setting that up to happen here and I kind of thought wow this is going to be amazing this is going to be like a historic hour of TV where he's going to give his life up for Chloe his his only friend and I thought he was going to die in a noble kind of sacrifice you saw, you saw a Chappelle moment coming 
I did. I just think it's a show that kind of has to end. It mm. has to have that ending. Um, he has to give his life up for his for his country or for his friends or something. He didn't, and instead he went off with the Russians, which was a bit of a pale imitation of the ending of season. I'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the it's it's five, isn't it, or four? You know what? I I do agree with you. I had visions of him sort of walking out, kneeling down, and then sort of in Ryan Chappelle fashion, just taking a bullet in the back of the head. And I thought, you know, on the one hand, that would have been tragic, the death of Jack Bauer. But on the other hand, as you say, it would have been a phenomenal piece of television. You know, the perfect sort of capping stone to this series. Although, I will say, I think maybe he did die. And the reason I say that is this. At the very end, you get the silent countdown. You see him get into the helicopter and you get a silent countdown. Now, you get a silent countdown earlier in the episode when Audrey dies. And as we all know, whenever a major character passes away you get the silent clock and they have one at the end a silent clock does that mean that in fact he just dies off screen i'm pretty sure that would be for audrey i think i think they'd already had because they 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 when audrey died you got the silent clock for going out for the commercial break and then you had the audible clock when they come back in so i think that's your period of mourning you get the adverts to mourn and you've moved on uh maybe i'm pretty sure he's still alive uh, I was talking about this with Dan Jolin just minutes ago downstairs in the office, and um, he suggested 24 Heaven, which <laughs> <laughs> Jack Bauer dies, and the next season is Jack Bauer in Heaven. One of the angels is a mole, and Jack just runs around the pearly the pearly gates, shooting angels and... Torturing people. Torturing people. Yeah. Yeah. That could happen. That's the natural... Uh... It's a funny one, isn't it? Because when we spoke to John, we did ask him... Uh, what the future was for 24 and he was quite cagey but he did say that that live another day was meant as a standalone special event not kind of the beginning of a new set and they've not announced that they're they're planning to come back and do more but it felt to me a little bit like the end of that episode they were hedging that they thought oh you know well if it does well well maybe if the box set sells or you know that they it's, it's a well they would quite be open to, to to going back to draw from um or it, it could be simply it was a, a network mandated thing. I mean, famously, you know, they weren't allowed to kill Dexter off in the final episode of that show, even though, you know, the, the showrunners wanted to. Uh, and it might just be the same thing here, that Fox, thou shalt not kill Jack Power. That could be true. I think I'm not 100% sure this is true, but I've read somewhere that Fox decreed that an acting president could not be killed off in 24, which is why I think people were shocked when uh, William Devane's character died mm. or seemed to die halfway through the season that became quite a shocking thing that may that may be a thing and maybe fox won't let them kill him off i'm just i'm just i just kind of wish they had mm. it would have been an amazing way to to bow out on the show i do think they'll bring him back uh i just worry that they're running out of ideas it's funny isn't it because this was obviously 12 episodes instead of the usual 24 the idea being that in previous Yes, they they felt they ran out of steam halfway through. You know, they they hadn't really uh, got the excitement to stretch over twenty four episodes. The only thing with this one is, and I really enjoyed Live Another Day, but I felt a little bit like they had the same problem where, even though it was half the length, they did the same thing where they got sort of halfway and then they got two thirds of the way through and then they started to run out of steam with the main plot. So then you get the secondary conspiracy, then the tertiary conspiracy. And with all seasons of 24, like the, the main one is always really solid, the secondary conspiracy is a little tenuous, and then the tertiary one, in this case Chang, becomes, really? Is this happening? <laughs> Good old Chang. Good old Chang. 
And I, I, it kind of morphed into a Pierce Brosnan Bond film at that point, didn't it? <laughs> I kind of, I kind of saw what they were what they were trying to do. They were trying to wrap up a lot of plot strands. Cheng, uh, I had completely forgotten this, but Cheng has been in Twenty Four since season four. Wow! And the Chinese have been a big a big part of the show, uh, kind of mostly off screen. To be honest, mm. there was actually. Uh, a, a short episode of uh, 24 that was actually a car commercial that was set in China showing Jack Bauer escaping from prison. Uh, it was literally a car commercial. I can't remember which car. I, I want to say BMW. Probably BMW. So I, again, at the time, I kind of, I, I was saying that they should do a season of 24 in China <laughs> with just to, just to mix it up, just to change it, you know, with him starting in prison and breaking out and maybe teaming up with a Chinese guy or something. You know, it would have been something. It would have been a nice change, but no, he kind of got captured, and then it all happened off screen, yeah. pretty much. And then he was suddenly back at the beginning of the next series. Well, if the new Transformers film is anything to go by, we may yet see <laughs> may go back China, to China for the yeah. glory of the Chinese state. Cheng's younger brother will, will turn up, <laughs> which I wouldn't put it past them to be honest to come up with that. Um, there was some. There was some. Uh, there was some stuff I really liked in this series. Uh, Jack has basically become an emotional husk of a character by this point, and he does some pretty hardcore violence. We we both of us, I think, enjoyed him <laughs> kicking Michelle fairly out yeah. of a window. Lady Stark out of a window. Amazing. Uh, he also cut a man's head off with a samurai sword. He did, yes. And he killed someone with a meat cleaver. <laughs> so, good on you, Jack. He's just become remorselessly violent at this point. He doesn't care. Yeah, I, I, I think they've, they've just embraced it entirely, haven't they? He will just kill you. He doesn't like you. You're going out of a window. He doesn't arrest people. He hasn't got time for that kind of thing. No, he he does not. I like the drone. What did you think of the drones? The thing I have, I'm going to digress slightly here. The the issue I have with 24 and it's sort of, I would say latter seasons, but it's never been too far from this, is the issue I had with the second season of Spooks. You remember season one of Spooks was very sort of hard-nosed, realistic, quite brutal. And season two, it became a little bit cartoony. And the first indicator of that is they take massive liberties with how technology works. And 24, they actually make no they make no bones about just making stuff up with techno babble as they go along. Like Chloe's like, the cellular signal isn't working. Looks around, I can tap into that dish. And there's like a sky dish on the side of a building. <laughs> and it's quite funny. It does move the plot along. And you can't, you can't get really hung up on that kind of thing. But um, really? <laughs> it all seemed completely plausible to me, James. I was completely on board. Maybe I'm a I like the drone stuff. I thought that was smart. You know, we hadn't seen that. I haven't seen that in a film Hadn't seen it in another TV show. Maybe mm. it is in Spooks. Who knows? I don't watch Spooks. It's not, no. It's not. Although there's a film coming out. Okay. Um, what I suppose was most alarming to me about the drones is the amount of active drones flying around over Paris. <laughs> Seems a little bit harsh of the Americans to have, uh, you know. you got to keep an eye on them. Yeah. They're over there, don't Kept so. them close by. They're but no, it was, it was a nice idea, and if only because it led to the whole Game of Drones thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was quite a fun thing, and, and, and having them blow up the hospital I thought was quite a nice. That was a nice sequence where you got the drone chasing them in the car and sort of firing rockets down the London streets. That's quite good as well. There was some really good action in it. I loved the uh, first episode, the way that Keith Sutherland doesn't say a word until right at the end. That's very Let's loose a damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some really nice stuff in it. The bringing it to London aspect... It was great seeing Jack Bauer standing in front of a Costa Coffee <laughs> with his gun out. It was great seeing him running around Charing Cross Station, although as we pointed out in the interview, he, you know, the Northern Line does not go to wherever. Yeah, you also don't get a phone signal on the train platform, but that's neither here nor there. Mm. I wasn't so keen on all the people going, all right, love. <laughs> there was one of those in the finale. Every time he said the word pub, it just sounded <laughs> weird coming out of his mouth. Yeah. 
yeah, it was fun. Although, you know, it's hilarious the way they seem to think that sort of Ealing is this sort of like, you know, deep ghettoized sort of crime area. It's actually incredibly middle class. <laughs> they refer to it as the projects. Yeah, they? the projects in Ealing. But no, it, it was loads of fun. And I, I really like the infiltration of the ship in, in the finale with the, uh, with the sort of satellite guidance where she's got the thermal imaging and she's talking them through it. And it feels very much like they're playing Metal Gear Solid. That did actually. Um, I but was hoping was he really would good. get into a crate. Yeah. <laughs> Just hide there for 20 minutes in real time. I was, I got to say, I was expecting there to be more British characters, possibly. Stephen Fry was there doing mm. his thing. It was quite difficult to take him seriously <laughs> in, in the content. I thought he did a fine job. I just kept expecting him to go melt shit. But I, it was kind of strange how I thought it was going to be Jack Bauer coming to Britain and, and teaming up with people from MI5 mm. or something like that. And in the end, it, none of that happened, really. He didn't really interact with any British characters, did he? Yeah, no, I didn't really need to be substation. So maybe they could have made use of the, the UK a little bit more than they did. Mm. I thought personally that the MVP of the season was William Devane as President Heller. I thought he was fantastic. He's great in everything. He is great in everything. And I thought that they... It's a bit of a downer of a of a character arc there. Yeah. That last speech that he gives was just so bleak. I won't remember anything. That was horrendous. I know. It was really upsetting. Felt really sad. But that was a weird counterpoint because that was very powerful, if incredibly depressing. Um, and then you had that, that Ivan Stravsky's character sort of resigning... And I thought that that didn't ring true to me. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yes, she died. She was on your watch. But, you know, worse things have happened to you in your career. You know, I think resigning over that, given everything she'd sort of weathered up until that point, perhaps felt like a little bit of a a, a harsh uh, conclusion for that character's arc. But, um, you know, she got off better than Chang did. So, you know. Chang. (laughs) I found it so hard to take Chang seriously. I'm not sure why. Well, he's a bit of a comedy villain, isn't he? Also, it's, you know... Perhaps it's just post-Transformers uh, cynicism, but it feels a little bit that the enemy wasn't the Chinese. It's a rogue Chinese former agent. You know, I don't know. I, I, it felt maybe a little bit pandering there. Well, that's always the way, though, isn't it? It yeah. goes back to Patriot Games and uh, the, the wing of the IRA that are too extreme. They've been thrown <laughs> out, ejected by the IRA. It's always the way, isn't it? No, no one wants to upset anyone. So it's always a, a, a splinter group. One thing I will say is I think the pilot, I say the pilot, it's not really a pilot, was it? The first episode of uh, of this season was, I think, the high point. You know, really, really good, really, uh, really serious, really edgy. As you say, Jack not speaking through almost the entire episode. That felt to me like 24 of old, you know, early season 24, season 2, 24. And I really, really enjoyed that. And I think while I enjoyed the whole season, I thought it, as it progressed, it strayed further into kind of season 5, season 6, season 7, 24, you know, where it did get a little bit silly. And melodramatic. And melodramatic. I can see what they're trying to do, and they're trying to give his character, you know, an emotional through line. Mm. But it felt to me like killing her off was a bit of a repeat of season one. We've already seen his wife. Or indeed season, is it seven, is it eight, where um, Renee gets shot by the mm. sniper. So he has been through this sort of mix of emotions a couple of times. Yeah, how c- it didn't really sit right with me that he kind of pulled his gun, and you thought, is he about to shoot himself? Was that the point? Because he pulls out his pistol, and then he's resolve hardens and he holsters it again it's like really with everything you've been through are you really going to take your life over this well he's I, it all accumulates doesn't it I actually really like that moment he doesn't put the gun in his mouth but it was it was actually more subtle than that mm. he pulls it he out and it. then the bad guy's coming instead he just wastes about <laughs> 25 <laughs> yes. guys but I just thought, you know, on its own, if that had been the first series of the show, then that moment might have had some impact. I just think, we've, like you say, we've already seen two loves of his life get 
killed in the final episode of a series. So it's like how many you know how many more times can they pull the same trick? Mm. And I didn't feel as much as when Terry got killed in that final episode of the first series. I, I miss Edgy Twenty Four. That Chappelle episode I still cite as the greatest moment of Twenty Four. When Jack is is forced to kill Chappelle, and you just think this is absolutely unspeakable. It feels to me like Twenty Four is a little bit scared to go to those places for some reason. It's become a bit safe. Whereas you used to think any character could get taken out. Chloe, it feels to me like they would never kill Chloe. She's become kind of, you know, the cuddly sidekick character. She's like the mascot, isn't she? She's a 24 mascot. Right. Um, She's the only one who's sort of not died, not turned. Which is really strange. Yeah. I don't know why that is. I mean, she's a likeable, likeable character, but... So it's it's strange to me that she's become such a massive part of the show. I prefer grumpy Chloe. I prefer, you know, wrinkle up my nose and scowl Chloe that we used to get a lot of. She felt a little bit sort of victim Chloe this season, mm. um, which I don't think is that character at her best. Mm. But, uh, I, you know, I like Chloe when she's bantering with Edgar. That's my that's that's Chloe for me. Bring back Edgar. Bring, bring back Edgar. He's not really dead. <laughs> I feel like they were they were introducing Kate, Yvonne um, Strahovski. Strahovski character, to potentially be... Jack's sidekick stroke, mm. possible love interest, possibly in the future. Uh, I I feel like she's going to play a bigger part, possibly in going to Russia to get him. Who knows? I'm just uh, spitballing. Well, she's unemployed now, so she's certainly got time on her hands. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I I would be very interested to see what happens in terms of announcements for what they're going to do because you know it, it's not the most straightforward thing to schedule to lock everyone down for. I would think Kiefer Sutherland would be more than happy to return uh, to playing Jack Bauer. Um, and I think, certainly I would think that there's definitely an audience for it. So hopefully we will see. They are going to Comic-Con. They are going. There we'll ask be, him. There could we'll be an ask announcement. Him. Next week, we'll ask him. We'll just yell. Yeah, we'll shout hey. from the back of Hall H. <laughs> Jack! I feel like a movie is going to happen. I feel like it's inevitable there will be a 24 movie. And uh, we'll see how it works over two hours. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of strange because they were talking in the run-up to the series about how this wasn't going to be, how they, it gave them the freedom to jump around. Yeah. But in reality, all that happened was right at the end, they had an epilogue <laughs> yeah, set right. 12 hours later. <laughs> yeah. So I was expecting it to jump halfway through, mm. and I was kind of thinking, how are they going to do that? I'm almost glad they didn't, because it felt more like 24, just running all the way through in real time. But- I, there's a part of me would like to see it not in real time, just because I think they get hamstrung by the real time mechanic quite a lot, where they have to introduce less interesting uh, threads and less interesting characters because you've got to burn time while the character's trying to get from A to B. Uh, do you know what I mean? You can't just and cut and he's getting out the car. You have to then go off somewhere and think, well, how long is this journey going to take? It's going to take maybe ten minutes. And now we've got to move away. Um, you could. You know, by by abandoning that mechanic, you could make a much tighter thriller, I think. Well, apparently there is a manor house in the countryside that's 10 minutes drive from Charing Cross. <laughs> I must find it. Yeah. That's, that'd go be a good place. It. We should move Empire there. That'd be an awesome place to work. Well, it's uh, uninhabited now. Yes, and indeed. Its, it's residents have been kicked out of windows. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so, yeah, tentative thumbs up. For this series? Yes. I, I enjoyed having 24 back. I was very pleased to be reunited with that world and those characters. Uh, it's not it's not vintage 24. It's definitely not the best of 24. But it is 24. And, and you know, sometimes that's enough. And here's hope that if Jack does come back, that they can maybe recapture some of the early 24, some of the stuff that made it, you know, really groundbreaking. Great TV. I'm curious to see what happens with William Devane's character. 
I, I, I feel like I don't want to leave him on that note. We'll, we'll see him. He'll be in a home dribbling into a cup. Well, That's it's just the, upsetting. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, 24 is set in the future. I think we talk about this in the interview. Yes. Uh, possibly we don't. I can't remember. It's about but, 2020. Uh, I think 2021 so is roughly. So there could be a miracle cure. <laughs> yes, they're good. Indeed, they're and he good. Could, or maybe he could get turned into a robot and, uh, and help Jack well, in his cases. Either way, let's hope Jack returns for many, many dammits to come. Exactly. All right. Damn Super. it. Damn it. <laughs>